Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? Well, I have tremendous news for you. Bet Online, they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. As our partners, you can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including MLB, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. And hey, with training camp here right now, listen, Bet Online has opened up odds for team wins, division futures, and of course, the Super Bowl. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B L E A V to get the bonus and get into the action with Bet Online where the game starts. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshakes, sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today. Fudgy the whale is waiting for you. MyHotTub.com is a global leader in the hot tub industry with over 25 years of experience. Their hot tubs are built in the United States with the highest standards of quality control, an extensive warranty, and customer service representatives available seven days a week. They offer free shipping to your home with factory direct pricing and incredible financing plans. Visit online at MyHotTub.com or stop in Destiny USA today. MyHotTub.com. Whether online or in person, you better hurry because these spas won't last. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, uh, and a five-star review where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Mike L Sports, and hit me on Twitter with a follow, at Mike L Sports. We are brought to you by our great friends at Stanley Law Offices. Together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. And also, a tip of the cap, thank you as well to your State Farm agent, Matt Graham, Burton Ace Hardware, uh, MyHotTub.com and Rosie's Corner. Rosie's Corner is back after a couple of weeks away, and uh, they've got it all, man. Pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs, and more. And be on the lookout for Fish Friday with mac and cheese every single Friday. Rosie's Corner, Route 11 in Brewerton, right off the Bartell Road exit in front of the Brewerton Bridge if you are in and around central New York. So I have a fun show planned here. I'm going to spend a few minutes on Albert Pujols, uh, appreciating him. Maybe this is his last run here in 2022. Um, maybe it isn't. Um, you know, had an unbelievable home run derby situation last week. Just loads of fun to watch that. And then I'm going to play a crossover episode with my guy, Scott Mason, who just does an amazing job covering the New York Jets in the AFC East. Uh, he's got a great uh, podcast. You can get him on Twitter at play like a jet, the number one, and uh, go visit him at playlikeajet.com. He's the co-founder of that as well. He's a host and producer and a writer and uh, really, really fun conversation with him uh, chatting training camp storylines across the division. Zach Wilson, year two, uh, you know, how to defend uh, Josh Allen and, and a heck of a lot more. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play that for you. You're, you're really going to love the insight that Scott Mason brings to the table. All right, Albert Pujols, let's get to it, right? I mean, this guy is just, when you take his numbers, you can match him up with anybody in the history of the game. 
you know, Musial, Miguel Cabrera, Frank Robinson, Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle. I mean, you can you can put them up against any any of them. You might choose Willie Mays as a greater player of all time, but you can put Albert Pujols, you know, next to him because go look at the RBI. You know, he has, as I record this, he has 2,170 RBI in his career. That's insane. He has a 296 batting average. Even with, you know, the last couple of years, you know, being in decline um, and being over the age of 40, he has 3,000 300 plus hits. You know, he has a remarkable, remarkable amount of runs scored. He's nip, you know, nearing 2,000. Um, the numbers are just amazing. They're absolutely, positively incredible. And he's got 685 home runs. He's knocking on the door 700. And he's just been amazing. You know, you look at the awards, the accomplishments, the postseason hitting. I mean, he's a three time MVP. You know, he probably should have won a couple more, you know, during Barry Bonds' steroid time, right, when he collected a million of them. You know, he's an 11-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, batting title, three-time Major League Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, two-time World Series champ, six-time Silver Slugger, and he's an NLCS MVP as well. His postseason numbers, you know, what an unbelievable, um, you know, stretch that he had for the Cardinals in the postseason. I mean, this guy was an absolute monster. You know, nine years um, in the postseason, a 1-2-4-5-6-9-11 with St. Louis, and then, you know, the four with the Dodgers, obviously, uh, as well. Um, but he won two World Series with St. Louis. And if you look at some of these numbers, he did struggle a little bit early, but then he started to really turn it on, and he had some major, major series. I mean, you know, he hit 300 uh, against Arizona in the NLDS in 2002. Um, you know, he hit 500 against uh, against Houston in the NLCS in 2004. That was when he really went off. He was MVP there. 28 at-bats, 10 runs scored, 14 hits, 4 homers, 9 RBI. His slugging was a thousand. His OPS was over fifteen hundred. His batting average was five hundred. You know he went five fifty six against the Padres in the NLDS in two thousand five, which is just absurd. Um, you know, I mean, just my, and then three hundred four, three hundred three, three eighteen. You know, those are averages in the playoff series. I mean, it's just it's insane. What about two thousand eleven? I mean, my God, in the NLDS he went three fifty four seventy eight two forty. In terms of batting average, he collected 16 RBI in that postseason, and uh, he collected uh, 24 hits. And then I guess quick math here would be uh, quick math would be if I have six six home. Uh, well, wait a minute, hang on, hang on a minute. RBI, yeah, five home runs. So you know, I it, it's just it, it's unbelievable. It really is. And you know, I recently had Rick Cerrone on, who's now with Baseball Digest. Um, you know formerly a New York Yankees PR director. And we talked about Derek Jeter a lot at the end of the interview. He was around Derek a lot. You know, he forged a friendship with him. Uh, the captain documentary, you know, has, has been going on here. Um, so Rick just has a great perspective. But he was like, you know, he didn't need me because, you know, he the way he handled himself in New York. Um, but Derek Jeter became Derek Jeter because he s- set out to be a winner. And, and that answer is so true. And it was basically from my question of uh, the following, 
hey, Derek Jeter was the face of baseball probably for almost his entire career, yet in a lot of years wasn't the best player in the game. Usually they go hand in hand. Tom Brady, face of the face of the league, best player in the sport. You look now maybe at a Patrick Mahomes, you look at maybe a Steph Curry and LeBron James through the years. Uh, a lot of times it does happen where you know Wayne Gretzky, face of the sport, best player. Um, you know, Connor McDavid right now. You know, you, you you can go through the years and the eras and all the rest. A lot of times the face of the sport is also the best player. And that wasn't necessarily the case with Derek Jeter and Major League Baseball because the Yankees were in the postseason almost every year of his career. You know, he won five World Series rings. He won seven pennants, you know, a, a million division titles, a bunch of 100-win seasons, right? I mean, it, it, you know, you think about all of that success, and he he sought out to be a winner, and he did that. And, and by doing that, he's on the grandest stage of them all in October, over and over and over again, and so the entire country sees Derek Jeter making the flip play, Mr. November, all those different things, and so I think it's just, um, I just think it's a really, really, really similar thing with Pujols. Um, you know, I, I really wish he would have signed uh, long-term and stayed in St. Louis, um, you know, the West Coast experience, um, you know, with, with the Dodgers, and, um, you know, just doesn't, doesn't really, I don't know. It just didn't, I mean, I was glad that he found a home after the Angels, you know, released him. But, uh, you know, the Angels career, obviously he dipped uh, big time, you know, as he got older. Um, you know, and then the Dodgers experiment was was obviously quick after the Angels released him. The Dodgers said, oh, we have nothing to lose. You know, then back with St. Louis, obviously. But, you know, he, he's he's been declining, you know, 42, 41, 40, 39. I mean, it's you know, it, it, it's father time. Father time is, is undefeated. And Albert Pujols, by the way, if you look at his MVPs, he also has one, two, three, four second-place finishes. He has a third-place finish. He has a fifth-place finish. And that's that's incredible. It, it really is. <laughs> Absolutely, positively unbelievable. How about over 6,000 total bases as well? The numbers are staggering. And like I said, he's still almost a 300 hitter was struggling. I mean, he hit two, I mean, you go back to all the way through his Angels career, really. Um, well, not quite. Uh, he had a couple of good years, well, one good year batting average-wise, 285, and then, you know, dipped 258, 272, 244, 268, 241, 245, 244, 224, 236, and then 198, 254, and 215 as I record this for 2022. But man, when you go up to his St. Louis days, all of that gets evened out by, oh, I don't know, 327, 312, 357, 359, where he led the league in uh, batting average in 2003. So um, he's just a monster. What a player. And it was so good to see him in the home run derby. Uh, you know, the celebration for him, the, the players gathering all over the place, um, you know, honoring him and, and just laughing it up and, and, and loving it. it just like schoolboys, old, old little boys, uh, you know, old school little boys. Um, 
you know, in, in the old days, right? Like we all go back in time, eventually 35 to 40 years ago, these guys, you know, some of them just only 15 years ago, I guess, because there's a lot of young players there uh, in terms of like the Vlad Guerrero Juniors and the Juan Sotos and company. But you could tell, you know, the Latin American presence and just the overall ballpark, you know, he, it was a return to the Dodgers uh, as well at Dodger Stadium. Uh, so we had that uh, to kind of, you know, a little bit of a homecoming there in terms of, uh, you know, uh, saying thank you to those fans. They celebrated him. He got celebrated by the team, uh, you know, the home run derby. Uh, I shouldn't say team, but all the individuals competing against each other. It was just a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, showcase to celebrate Albert Pujols. And I really hope he can find it in him somehow, some way, that there's uh, just a little bit more in that bat so that he can get 700 home runs. Mike Lindsley with you here. It's the ML Sports Platter brought to you by Burn Dairy, Bowers & Company, CPAs, your State Farm agent, Matt Graham, and our great friends over at Ken's Auto Detailing. They've got an amazing detail shop on Route 11 in Cicero. If you're in and around Central in New York, inside and outside, wax and wash. Get your car detailed today. Get your vehicle of any kind detailed. Boat, motorcycle, van, truck, car, you name it. It's all going on at Ken's Auto Detailing. You drive off the lot, and it feels like a brand new car with Ken's Auto Detailing, the official detail house of the ML Sports Platter. Well, as promised, a crossover episode coming your way right now with Scott Mason uh, off the Pandemonium Podcast and the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network. He's an amazing host and producer of the daily Play Like a Jet podcast. You can see him at playlikeajet.com and, of course, at playlikeajet, the number one on Twitter. We dove into everything AFC East with training camp outlooks, how the Jets will defend Josh Allen, a look at the Dolphins, a look at the Patriots, a look at year two for Zach Wilson. A lot there with Scott Mason. Here he is from Play Like a Jet, breaking it all down, AFC East, as we get closer and closer to the start of football. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. What's going on, Bills Mafia? Mike Lindsley with you, Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Make sure to follow and subscribe everywhere where you get podcasts on your smartphone device. And of course, you can hit me on Twitter as well at Mike L Sports and Built in Buffalo is on Twitter as well at Built in Buffalo underscore. This is going to be a very unique episode. Uh, you know, not just Bills from A to Z. I'm going to bring in my guy who covers the New York Jets, uh, a team in the division. Uh, the Bills will play them twice, of course. He's a host and producer of the daily Play Like a Jet podcast and the co founder of playlikeajet.com. And uh, you can go get him on Twitter at Play Like a Jet, the number one. It's my friend Scott Mason. We're going to talk uh, division. We're going to talk uh, Jets, you know, opponents, etc., and uh, get his thoughts from enemy territory on the Buffalo Bills uh, this season. Scott Mason, thanks so much. How are you? Hey, my pleasure to come on as always. Oh, you know I love talking to you. So happy to chop it up. Glad it's summertime right now because, as you know, living in Central New York and me living in Jersey. In a couple of months, we're going to be begging for this weather. Boy, you better believe it. I, I always tell people that. Let's jump right into it. Obviously, training camp 
is pretty much here. You know, rookies reporting, um, all teams, you know, as we record this, starting soon with full-blown training camp. Go around the AFC East for me and just maybe hit me with some things you're looking for, some storylines, your Jets, the Patriots, and the Bills and the Dolphins. This division is going to be quite interesting this year uh, in 2022, Scott. Well, there's a couple of wrinkles here. I think for the Bills, the most interesting question is, does the offense continue to just hum along with Ken Dorsey there in place of Brian Dable? How much does Dable being gone affect what the Bills do on offense? Will it have any effect on Josh Allen? That, to me, is the number one storyline there. And when you look at the Patriots, there's a lot of stuff. Mac Jones, he seemed to really regress second half of the year does he start to put it back together how much does the loss of josh mcdaniels factor in and who is actually going to be calling plays we've been hearing that it could be matt patricia bill belichick has said he probably won't even make a decision until close to the regular season so uh, who knows what's going on there with the dolphins obviously all the intrigue is around the new head coach mike mcdaniel and if he can find a way to get Tua to be the quarterback that the Dolphins were hoping when they drafted him, they went out and got Tyreek Hill. The question, of course, is, is it a round peg in a, a square peg in a round hole situation? Because Hill's a deep ball guy and Tua is not known for his arms. So that, to me, is really what you're looking at there. And then with the Jets, listen, a lot of storylines, but I think the two biggest things to look out for are Mekhi Becton and Carl Lawson coming back. Are they healthy? How much of an impact can they have? Do they look good in training camp early on? And then, of course, Zach Wilson. He's the key to it all. As you know, Mike, we saw what happened with the Bills once Josh Allen put it all together. If Zach Wilson can do that, the Jets could be a team to, be, to reckon with over the next few years. But if not, they could be right back in the same situation they were two years ago when they cut bait from Sam Darnold and drafted uh, Zach Wilson in the first place. So that's really, to me, if you're looking at it with a thousand mile away view, those are the things to keep an eye on with the AFC East. Zach Wilson, I was going there next. And, you know, I'm very intrigued to see what he's going to do, uh, you know, in his second season. You know as well as I do, Scott, that the, the quarterback position, in order to be really good, really great and elite and there are just a select few elite guys and they separate themselves and we know those names it's a 50 50 deal you know the quarterback has to do his part keep himself in shape learn the playbook you know be be coached uh improve work hard blah 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 and then on the other side it's you know what is ownership doing do you have a competent gm um you know or do you have continuity with your head coach do you have continuity with your coordinators do you have enough help and weapons around you? Is your offensive line good? Are you healthy uh, around, you know, are people healthy around you? So you know how, how this thing goes. So I'm going to that area where I just mentioned the help for Zach Wilson. Do you think in year two that Zach Wilson, in order to give him a fair shake, he has enough around him to support him? I think on paper he does. Now, of course... Everything has to play out on the field because, remember, you look at the offensive line, you got Makai Becton coming back. On paper, that's huge for him. But in reality, he's a 370-pound man 
who missed all of last year with an injury, what's he going to be able to do? Is he going to be back to form or is he going to take a step backwards? You take a look at Elijah Vera Tucker, played pretty well as a rookie. Does he take another step forward or does he regress? Like, we don't know what to expect from him entirely. Connor McGovern and George Fant both played pretty well last year, but they're getting up there in age for an offensive lineman. And both of them are coming off major injuries. Then you take a look at the wide receiving core. Elijah Moore was excellent when he played last year, but he got hurt. And he's a smaller guy, so what happens there? Corey Davis had a rough go of it. We know that he's traditionally been a pretty solid receiver, but he had a lot of drops last year. Then he got hurt. Uh, Garrett Wilson, who was picked 10th overall on paper, excellent prospect. But as you know, Mike, a guy can be a fantastic college player coming to the NFL and not make the grade. And then the tight ends on paper, it'd be impossible to do worse than the Jets did last year. They went out and they got Tyler Conklin from Minnesota and Cedra Azama from the Bengals. They also drafted local kid Jeremy Rucker went to OSU but grew up on Long Island so all of those things in addition to bringing in Lake and Tomlinson to help boost the offensive line should as I say on paper give Wilson a reasonably good chance to succeed if he does what he needs to do now I don't have any questions about Wilson in terms of work ethic I don't have any questions in terms of leadership and all that it all just comes down to, can he get it done? When the lights are on and the games count, will he be able to get it done consistently? Because you know this, Mike, we've both been watching football a really long time, and we've gone back and watched the stuff from before we were even around, so we know about the guys in the distant, distant past. But what separates the great quarterbacks from the guys who don't make it is consistency. Because any quarterback can have good games, good plays, all that. If you can't do it on a consistent basis, if you can't be a guy who, you know, more often than not goes out there and is a big part of the reason why your team competed, played well, so on and so forth, then you're not going to be able to, to cut the mustard in the NFL. Because, look, we saw it with Sam Darnold as just one example. He had plenty of good games, highlight reel throws, all that. But when it came down to it, the, the good games were few and far between. The highlight reel throws were, and plays were good, but they just weren't enough. And he now is probably going to be Baker Mayfield's backup in Carolina. So that's really what it comes down to now. I think they gave him an opportunity to succeed, put some good pieces on paper around him, and now it's up to Zach Wilson to prove whether or not he can do it. Okay, Josh Allen, how do you think the Jets will defend him this year? Do you, you know what, what do you see as far as different wrinkles, different attacks with the personnel that they have? Will it change from last year? I think Jordan Whitehead is probably going to be one of the key pieces to trying to stop Josh Allen. The Jets had if not the worst run defense in the league, it was right up there, mm -hmm. which was kind of surprising when you consider the interior defensive line. But ultimately, the linebackers were terrible, the safeties were terrible, and they weren't able to stop the run. And obviously, we know that 
Josh Allen will have his way with a team like that. So you go out and you get Jordan Whitehead, a competent safety. You build up some depth in the uh, edge rusher department, guys that are pretty good at stopping the run. For example, Jermaine Johnson, who they drafted at number 26 overall, in addition to being a pretty good pass rusher, was arguably the best run defender in the draft at his position. So that should certainly help as well. And then, like I said, you, you upgrade the rest of that secondary now. Sauce Gardner, as an example, he's known for his coverage skills, but he's also a good run defender. So I think on the margins, they upgraded the talent and put pieces in place that should be able to help them improve the run defense. And they also added more depth on the defensive line to do that as well, because the theory is that if they rotate these guys in and out more frequently, they won't be so gassed. So they'll be able to give it their all in crunch time and all that. So I think that's what they're going to try to do is lean on the new additions and be able to use the heavy rotation to keep those guys fresh to go after guys like Allen. But uh, if he gets outside the pocket, it's trouble. And as far as him throwing down field and, and all that, you know what the story is. The Jets had possibly the worst secondary in the NFL last year. And then they went out, they got Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, and Jordan Whitehead to really help completely rebuild that secondary. So Allen is going to have a rookie to pick on in the secondary and Sauce Gardner. We'll see how quickly he gets up to snuff. But that's really what it's going to come down to is the improved secondary and the new players should help. But again, you know, you know what it is, what the deal is, Mike. Mm-hmm. On paper, you can have whatever plan you want. But Josh Allen is 6'5", 250 pounds <laughs> with a laser rocket arm, and he's got one of the top five receivers in the sport on his side. Easier said than done. We are talking with Scott Mason here on the Pandemonium Podcast on the Built-in Buffalo Podcast Network, uh, chatting a little Enemy territory, uh, the Jets insider, host, producer, of course, uh, playlikeajet.com uh, and at playlikeajet, the number one. Scott does a great job. Make sure you download and subscribe to his podcast and check out all of his content uh, on Twitter and uh, on that website. Again, playlikeajet.com. Um, I, I, I'm very curious to know what you think about what what would be good enough for the Jets fan base this year, record wise, projected record, and, and then after that, if you could just kind of give me and I'm, you know, you can't. There's too much that goes on between now and the start of training camp, the end of training camp, the start of the regular season, all through the season, the playoffs, the Super Bowl. There's too much that goes on. There's too many variables to say. Well, that's a win. This is a loss. This is a win. You, you can't do that in the schedule. It's a week to week league. We know that. Uh, what what happens in November could be completely different than September. We know that. But what would be a, a realistic, acceptable record for the Jets fan base for their club? And do you have any ballpark projected records for the rest of the division? So with the Jets, I I hate doing this because it feels like I do this every year, but it's the truth. It really comes down more to performance than records. So what I mean is if the Jets go 7-10, and 10, mm-hmm. Or six and eleven, but Zach Wilson looks like the real deal, and those young players look good, and they're competing against teams like the Bills and teams like the Bengals 
and the upper echelon, they're at least competing and looking good. I think a lot of Jets fans will be happy because, look, we all want to see playoff contenders, but you got to walk before you can run. And as painful as it is for Jets fans to hear this because they hear it over and over again, this is a rebuild, and patience is going to have to be a virtue. And so if those things that I mentioned happen and the Jets only win six or seven games, no problem. I think the issue is going to be if – Zach Wilson doesn't play well, or if the Jets maybe only win four games and they're not super competitive against teams like Buffalo, you could see an issue there. I think with the Jets, look, this is what it comes down to as far as reasonable playoff hopes. If you're a Jets fan, you've got to go into the season with the mindset that I mentioned. And look, if some things bounce the Jets way early on, if they win a game or two early that most people don't think they should, maybe they are able to do what the Eagles did last year and somehow sneak in. I think it's a long shot, especially considering how good the AFC is. But that, to me, is the absolute ceiling, and I think it's a pretty low probability that it's going to happen. As far as the rest of the AFC East... I think the Bills have to be a heavy favorite to win the division. I know the Dolphins have a pretty good roster, and I expect them to be better this year. But until I see it from Tua Tagovailoa, I won't buy it. I think he's okay, but is he a guy that you're going to be able to count on week in, week out? Is he going to be able to gel with Tyreek Hill, who likes to get downfield, and we know that Tua throws those wobbly passes down the field was wounded ducks. I'm not sure. I mean, look at what happened with Jalen Waddle last year. Put up great numbers, but essentially he was used as Jarvis Landry because that played to the quarterback strengths rather than Waddle's strengths. Waddle, as you know, is a deep threat that can get downfield. Mm-hmm. So I think the Dolphins are probably going to win around nine, ten games. I think the Bills will probably be in the 12 to 13 range. Um, And then the the Patriots, I think they're going to take a step back this year. And I think there's a reasonable possibility. I don't think the Jets can catch the Dolphins or the Bills. I think there's a reasonable chance they could catch the Patriots this year. And I think if you talk to honest Patriot fans and fans of the Bills and Dolphins who are impartial because they hate both teams, they might say the same thing. The Patriots seemed to overachieve last year with a roster that wasn't that good. And I think now other teams have caught up and also people are going to figure out, you know, what the Patriots are doing. McDaniels is gone. We saw Mac Jones regress. I don't know how much he's going to be able to be any better than he was last year. And, And quite frankly, Mike, if you look at that Patriots roster, if Bill Belichick wasn't the head coach, right. would easily be saying they'd be the last place team in the division. So I think that, as I said, Jets could be a six or seven win team. I'd say Patriots are probably going to be right in that ballpark as well. All right. The final thing that I have for you is greatest strength and greatest weakness on the Jets going into 2022. What would you 
what would you have for for me on that? The, the, where, where they could excel the most and where they're going to struggle the most? So I think the biggest struggle for the Jets is probably going to be at linebacker. They only have C.J. Mosley right now who you can depend on. They've got a couple of guys that they drafted late last year, Hans and Nazaldeen out of Florida State, and Jamie and Sherwood, who they got out of Auburn. Those guys played a little last year, then they got hurt. We don't know what the Jets are getting out of them. Quincy Williams, Quentin Williams' younger brother, comes back. We don't know what the Jets are going to get out of him. He was erratic last year, made a lot of tackles, but a lot of big mistakes, over-pursued, seemed to not really fully understand what was going on out there. The fans like his youth and his exuberance, but he's going to have to improve. So I think there will be opportunities for teams to take advantage of that. And the biggest strength, and I guess I shouldn't be shocked just because of Joe Douglas being the general manager and what his mission statement was when he first got here, but still being a Jets fan and having seen what the offensive line was like the years before Douglas showed up. I think that offensive line, not just quality of it, but the depth, it has an opportunity to be an above average unit this year, which was unthinkable a couple of years ago when the Jets were running out. Ryan Khalil, who they begged to come off the couch from eating Cheetos and jump into the starting lineup right before the season. So I think the biggest weakness right now Inside linebacker, biggest strength offensive line, where they also have pretty good depth, too. They brought in Nate Herbig from the Eagles, who's pretty solid. He can play three different spots if there's an injury there. And, of course, a Pro Bowl starter at guard in Lakin Tomlinson. So it's going to be an interesting year of Jets football, where I think the offensive line, more so than any year in the last couple, has a chance to really make or break what this offense does. You know what? Let me throw one more quickie in here. Breakout players, one on offense, one on defense. Who you got? So offense, I'm going to go with, and I'm not going to say a rookie because I don't think it's fair to call a rookie a breakout player. I'll say Elijah Moore. Okay. Elijah Moore was great for about five or six weeks last year before he got hurt. But I think a full season now, especially with a healthy Corey Davis, and a newly minted Garrett Wilson there, plus the two tight ends I mentioned. It, it's going to give him much more opportunity. Plus, obviously, if Zach Wilson is in any way improved, it'll really boost the numbers for Elijah Moore. So that's my pick on offense. And on defense, breakout player, hmm, I'm going to say the breakout player on defense is going to be Quentin Williams. I know Quentin Williams has actually been pretty good, but he hasn't quite gotten to that level that's been expected of him since he was picked number three overall in the draft in 2019. A lot of people compared him to the top interior defensive lineman when he was coming out of Alabama, Fletcher Cox, even Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, Gerald McCoy, guys like that. He hasn't quite lived up to that. He's got to be able to show that this year if he wants that big contract extension. The Jets picked up his fifth-year option, but if he wants that big money deal, that $100 million deal, he's going to have to get after it this year. And I think 
adding Jermaine Johnson at edge, hopefully a healthy Carl Lawson, and even a really competent rotational edge rusher like Jacob Martin, who they brought in from Houston, should help take some of the pressure off Quinn Williams. Maybe he won't be double and triple as much, and we might see him break out. So Elijah Moore on offense, breakout player, and breakout player on defense, Quinn Williams. Well, this was outstanding. He does a great job covering the New York Jets as a host and producer of the Daily Play Like a Jet podcast. Make sure you download and subscribe to that wherever you get podcasts on your smartphone device and check out playlikeajet.com and get them on Twitter at playlikeajet, the number one. Scott Mason, you are the man. Football is back. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll do this a few times during the 2022 season, I'm sure, my friend. Take care of yourself. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for having me on. As always, appreciate it, and looking forward to the next one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.